Okay, let's make sure I have this thing on. It's one of my favorite songs. We are in Romans 2, 17 through the end of the chapter this morning. And I'm going to read verses 17 through 20. So I'll ask when you find that to stand in God's honor as read from the text. Now, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you're instructed by the law, if you're convinced you're a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, teacher of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of the knowledge of truth. Let's pray. God, as we think of your word, Lord, it's about grace. It's about a big God who saw a little me who was in trouble and did what was necessary to rescue me. That's the message. That's the heartbeat of your people and your church. And that's what people need to hear. Sometimes we miss that. We get caught up in what we have and act like somehow we have an advantage over everybody else. But we all come in the same way. Needing a Savior. I pray this morning, Lord, as we look, Father, at how legalism, how a sense of thinking I'm exalted or better causes us to lose sight of why we're here and what we're to be about and what we need. I just pray you speak to our hearts, Lord, as we look at your truth, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Religion sometimes gets in the way, and sometimes people get hurt. And sometimes when we hear the truth and we find the forgiveness, sometimes we take hold of that, but then we lose sight of what first rescued us, what first saved us, what first excited us. And the result of that is the attention goes from Him to me. And when that happens in the church, then the church loses its way, the church loses its power, the church loses its purpose because we were made to exalt him and and not for the attention to come to us. And as Paul talks here in this section of scripture, he's talking to a group of people who, as we see here in verse 17, he says, now you, if you call yourself a Jew, they were the people whose name literally meant praise to God. And, and, and the picture here is, is, hey, my name means praise to God. And I'm specifically, specially selected by God. And as, as he looks at me, he looks at me with special favor and purpose. Matter of fact, as we read in this text, he says, you're the guys that boast in God as you rely on the law. You're boasting in that reliance of, of what you're doing. He says, you know his will and you approve of what's superior because you're instructed by the law. You've got this special knowledge. And, and if, if you're convinced you're a guide for the blind, all those blind people that are out there, they don't see like me, that you're the light for those in the dark and you instruct the foolish and 
you're teaching these little children because you have this special place in the law. And we have a world that needs to hear about Christ. And, and what's happened here is he speaks. He says, these are a group of people. They've, they've lost sight. They've, they've looked back to their traditions. They've looked back to what they've gained in their picture of growing up in church, their picture of where they are. And they're looking more to that than they are to the good news of Jesus Christ. It, uh, I read an example in my studies. Uh, and in that example, a lady had shared, it's like a bunch of people being in a boat. Suddenly you're... Out in the seas, and person takes a saw and starts sawing right by his seat and saws around the seat. And everybody says, what are you doing, you nut? You're going to cause the whole boat to sink. And they say, listen, I paid for my place on this boat. And this is my seat. And if I want to cut here, I can cut here. And the picture happens when we begin to think, this is just about me. This is just about what I get out of. Coming here is, is about how it makes me feel. It's, 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 it's about what it does for me. Guys, it's so much more than that. We're all in the same boat. And what is the boat? It's the boat of grace and it's the boat of mercy. And Jesus said, they'll know you by the way. They'll know me by the way you love each other. Hey, the world needs to know about God and needs to know God loves them. And he said, this is how they're going to know that. It's by the way you love one another. It's by understanding that you're in the boat together. And it's by understanding that by being in that boat together, that God is at work. That He is touching and He is changing lives. And, and, and He is working to do that. To conform us to His image as He's at work. What happens so often in the church is, is we, we lose sight of that and, and we forget that. And as Paul approaches these Jews, as he speaks to them and as he, is, as he addresses this idea of legalism, he's trying to get the heart of the matter. Too often, Max Lucado uses an illustration, as, as people are trying to find out about God and they look at Christians, they come in the church, sometimes the church is so wrapped up in who they are that they forget to talk about who he is. And in this illustration, he says, it's like a guy going into a store. And as he walks in the store, he notices he's the only customer. And there's two salespeople working at the front. One of them's on the phone talking to her mom and totally ignores him. The other person is stocking the shelves. He tries to get somebody's attention. And finally, he goes up to the person who's stocking the shelves. And he says, uh, can I get some service? He says, do you have a number? says, a number? I'm the only customer in the store. Well, you got to have a number. See over there, there's the take a number machine. So he walks over to the take a number machine. Okay, whatever. And he pulls the number, and it's 37. And then he walks back. And the employee says, 34? Is 34 out there? 34? 35? 35, you're next. Hey, 36, it's your turn. Come on up. 37? Yeah, I've got 37. Can I help you? No, I think I'm leaving. Get so fed up because they, they, they're not hearing about what they need. 
which is the message of forgiveness and the message of hope and the message of mercy that, guys, is, is so needed and, and, and that God calls out to and, and asks uh, to be revealed. Um, and how critical that is. Uh, Jonah is a classic example of the guy who saw himself elevated. But miss why he's there. God's trying to send him somewhere. He goes about the opposite direction. And, and remember when he's whining at the end, he finds out what's wrong. He says, those guys, man, they're not worth your time, God. They're not worthy of you. And I'm mad that you called me to speak to them and, and to go out to where they are, God. He was missing the point. Notice as we go on in verse 21, it, it, this starts out with attitudes, then it moves to action. He says, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. You who teach another, do you teach yourself? He's saying, you guys that, you know, want to take that scroll, you know, when we think of the Bible, that's their Bible, you scroll stomping preachers. Talk about how you're following God and says your heart's not there. Your actions don't fall in line because your heart it's about what you can achieve instead of about God loving you and forgiving you and giving you the mercy. Remember Jesus' parable in Luke 18? It starts out with this phrase. This is Luke 18, 9. He says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. So now this is who he's speaking to. Those who were confident. In their own righteousness. I can do this. God's so proud of me. That's who he's speaking to. And, and you guys know the parable as it goes on. There's two people. There's a tax collector. And there's a Pharisee. And the tax collector. Man he was the low life. Of the community. He was the one that people talked about. People couldn't stand. Because they were. he's going to squeeze every dime out of us he can. He's a tax collector. You know, he can't trust him. And then there's the Pharisee who he's the top of the religious pyramid. You know, he's the guy that keeps all the rules and he keeps all the laws. And it says that these two guys, they go into the temple and they pray. And the Pharisee goes in there and he's like, God, thank you. I'm not like this other little love. He says, God, I'm special. God, I do this stuff for you. I fast and I follow the rules and I do what you want, God. And I know you're so proud of me. But then it talks about the other guy. This is the guy that everybody said, man, he's a low life. But when he comes in, it says he wouldn't even look up. He was so broken. And as he was on his knees and before God, he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then it's interesting as that parable ends... He says, one guy, the tax collector, he's the one that went home justified, not the Pharisee. Because he understood the basic fact that he needed God's mercy. That he needed God's grace. 
And man, that's what makes a, a, the body of Christ such a beautiful place. When we all understand we're in the same boat. That we all understand that we need to be forgiven. That we understand that people are hurting and that they're broken and they need to be rescued and they need to be delivered. And the one who rescues and delivers is Jesus Christ. And he is the, he is the one that is our passion to, to, to share that wonderful truth. But as he looked at these guys, they had missed the mark. They were interested in, in their own accomplishments. Like I said, at verse 24 back there in Romans 2. It says, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Man, self-righteousness is just ugly. And the frightening thing is, it's so easy to be self-righteous. It's so easy and you don't even see it sometimes. Sometimes you just don't even realize you're doing it. Uh, I think of Mark Twain, you know, the, the writer that... So well loved. And there's a story about Twain, and he was talking to a wealthy businessman. And the wealthy businessman said, Before I die, I'm going to go to the Holy Land and I want to walk where Jesus walked. And then I want to go to Mount Sinai and I want to climb to the top of that mountain and I want to read the Ten Commandments. Twain looked at him and said, I've got a better idea. He said, Why don't you stay here in Boston and live the Ten Commandments? Such a big difference. To just talk and to tell others, this is what you got to do. Paul, as he is sharing here, he's saying, guys, don't just say it, be it. It's, it's about that closer walk with, with God and, and, and cultivating that closer walk. It's about integrity and righteousness. Proverbs 13, verse 6 says, righteousness guards the person of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. 11 verse 3 of Proverbs. The integrity of the upright guides them. But the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Saying, guys, be who you claim to be. Let your words and your walk match up and line up. That's so critical. You knock down to verses 26 and 27. And he speaks to these guys. And he's just so honest, so straightforward to them. He says, so then if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who's not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you have the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. He's saying, you guys are so proud because of your religious pedigree and what you've done. He said, but if there's a disconnect... Between your actions and your heart. Then you're not right with God. God doesn't demand just that our outward appearance is right. He demands that our heart is right with him. That's God. Um, you know, it's like the, you know, if you ever look at ingredients on cans, it's kind of tricky. You can't just look at a food item in the grocery store and really know what's in it. You have to take the box and look at the different ingredients and the order of the ingredients. And, and sometimes it's a little tricky as you look at those ingredients to see what they really mean and the serving size. And anyway, you have to look carefully to see what's really in the box. And he's saying, man, don't just be a description. Be the real thing. And there's a lot of people who get hurt and a 
a lot of people who, for whatever reason in the church, they don't they see a people who have lost sight of God's way, and they're more worried about my way. You can be right and be all wrong. There's got to be that hard attitude. Uh, there was a book um, written some time back, and and in it uh, there's a, a phrase here about how to be miserable. Hundred percent guaranteed. If you want to be miserable, here it is, guys. Number one, think about yourself. Number two, talk about yourself. Use I as often as possible. Mirror yourself continually in the opinion of others. Listen greedily to what people say about you. Expect to be appreciated. Be suspicious. Be jealous. Be envious. Be sensitive to slides. Never forgive a criticism. Trust no one but yourself. Insist on consideration and respect. Demand agreement with your own views on everything. Sulk if people are not grateful to you for favors shown them. Never forget a service you may have rendered. Be on the lookout for a good time for yourself. Shirk your duties if you can. Do as little as possible for others. Love yourself supremely. And sum it up, just be selfish. We do these things. It is a recipe guaranteed to make us miserable. It's not about being on that little treadmill, spinning around and i got to be good. It's not about what we do. I love that old saying, it's not two letters, it's not what we do, it's four letters, what he's done, D-O-N-E. And that makes all the difference. We're to be a people, uh, as Warren Wiersbe has said, that do not fight for victory, but from victory. Man, it's to understand who we are in Christ. And, and to live in that identity and, and that purpose. And, and it's not about just being on that treadmill and doing more and more and more for God. It's about understanding what he's done for us. Fritz Ridenauer in his book, a Christian, How to Be a Christian Without Being Religious, share this quote. Many a Christian looks at a Christian like a pole vaulter, eyes 20-foot barrier. He works on his form. That is, he gets his praying down pat. He learns favorite cliches and how to share the proof text at the right psychological moment he constantly tries to find the springiest pole he can that is he always is looking for the new spiritual author the new conference speaker some new spiritual giant with whom he can identify and somehow have some of that spirituality rub off on him naturally like any good vaulter he practices diligently showing up at all the meetings making sure he looks and sounds just as spiritual as the next guy inside he doesn't feel he can clear 20 feet he still equates Christianity with being good. He doesn't feel like he'll ever be good enough. In one sense, he's right. He'll never be good enough as long as he goes at it that way. The bar's not 20 feet high. It's 1,000 feet high. And the poles are toothpicks. It's not about striving. It's about finding his rest. Now, as I say all that... These are lessons we just have to kind of keep learning. And as Paul is speaking to the church in Rome, he's saying, guys, I want us to be a kingdom-minded church. It's not that we don't work. It's that we work out of his rest. It's that we understand that he loves us and that he's forgiven us and that he cares about people. And, you know, last week we looked at that second scripture talked about uh, judgment for the judgmental. And, and you know... <laughs> He says, let's get away from that. You know, get away from, from 
the judgmental part, let's remember where we were and how God found us and how God loved us and how God rescued us. And may that be our passion instead of just getting kind of isolated and think, man, I'm glad I'm not like those people out there and all the stuff they're doing. No, it's not his heartbeat. Saying, let's be a church that loves God and looks out. Let's pray. Lord, uh, here we are, Father. Um, it's just really easy, Father, to lose sight of you. To think we're something more than we are, Lord. So easy to do. Father, your word says in Galatians 6, verse 3, that if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Father, what we have is because of you, Lord. The forgiveness we have is because of you. This church family that we enjoy, it's because of you. Even the the money and the possessions, it's from you. The relationships with others we love, gift from you. God, there's nothing beyond your grace. It's from you. Father, when we begin to live like that instead of Father, just showing everybody what we've done, who we are. God, it's you. And I pray this morning, Lord. um, That's kind of, it's an humbling place to be. That's always where it starts, is realizing that we're in poverty. And you're rich. And you want to give out of your abundance to our poverty. So, Father, maybe there's one here this morning who says, you know, I'm, When it comes to doing enough to make God happy, I'm really poor. Good news that the one who is rich wants to come to your aid. And I pray, Father, for that one here that needs to say, God, forgive me, enter my life, make me whole. May that happen, Lord. May you just work. God, your spirit is necessary for anything to happen, Lord, that matters. So may you work. And and I don't know how you're calling the rest of us, Lord. Maybe there's just something on our hearts that you want us to do. To come pray, Father, at the altar. To make a decision for you that um, maybe right where we're standing. Or maybe that needs to be shared uh, with the people here today. I don't know. God, what I care about is just that we follow you. It's never been about just a list of stuff to do. It's always been about serving a God who loves us. So, Father, I pray that you help us to see that this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.